Welcome to the Wheels Omnibus, an Omnibus Academy production hosted by Dean and Mary. In this space, we discuss lifestyle, popular culture, and current events through a quasi-educational lens with the goal of always delivering digestible takeaways. In what started off as an addendum about the Compromise of 1877, Dean and Mary spiral into a discussion of chaotic historical elections, the realities of the American party system, and recent reminders that we live under two vastly different injustice systems. So the Compromise of 1877 was when um, Rutherford Hayes was actually losing by 20 votes coming down. It was like a couple, couple of swing states that still needed voting and whatnot. And um, Samuel Tilden was the current winner of the Electoral College up to that point. He had more votes. And um, the Compromise of 1877 is when um, the House, because at this point, since no one had the um, the clear winner, it'd go to the Senate or the House or, or what have you. And um, the Compromise was, we'll give Rutherford Hayes, who was losing at this point, was losing by 19 points with 20 electoral votes to go, said, they said, they'll give Rutherford Hayes the 20 votes if he pulls the troops, um, lowers a couple of taxes, and then also, here's a stipulation, you don't run for a second term. If, if they could come to that kind of compromise, like back then, and it'd be all right, I think that's kind of a jagged compromise, being like, hey, look, like, you're losing. We'll give you. We'll give you the win. But if we give you the win, then you have to do this. Like imagine how like Tilden was feeling. But at any rate, if they could come to that kind of compromise, even back then, like why aren't people working the compromise now to come up with an an idea or you know policies in place that's going to benefit everybody, not just you know a certain culture of people, um, or you know or a certain subsection of people. Now again. They went with what they thought was going to be best for their country, even if that meant giving someone who probably would have lost had they done these recounts or whatnot. Like, they're willing to give that person a win because they thought that was the best for the country, but also thought that they'd only be good for four years and that they have to do these things. And um, I think that's how checks and balances are supposed to work. But at any rate, they took the time to come to a standpoint, you know, you know, come to a common ground, like... Why can't we do it now in 2020? That's a great question, Dean. If I'm being real, I don't think that Joe is going to run for more than one term. No, and I think and, and I think we raised a good um you raised a good point um the other day, you know, your conspiracy theories and whatnot about, you know, speaking to the effect of what if all of this was going on today is just not a front, but it's like it's them showing, you know, it's the, you know, the repubs, especially the ones who are, who are talking about, you know, election fraud and, and, you know, we got 17 states out here trying to, the Supreme Court wanting to throw out votes and whatnot, like, <laughs> like, but, yeah. but I'm sorry, but, 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 but to speak to your point, it's them showing their, you know, they're showing their asses off, but, you know, you know, it could we could very well be in a situation where Joe Bob, Joe Biden and, and 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 Kamala Harris don't really do anything. 
Right, because they know the bar is so low right now it, that they could literally do nothing, like no positive legislation, nothing harmful either, but people are still people are still going to be struggling. Like, police are still going to kill black people. Like, working class families are still going to not be able to make rent. None of that's going to change, but the bar is so low because, well, they're not actively setting the country on fire, so I guess we're fine, right? We can go back to brunch and wear our pussy hats. Speaking speaking of on fire, my city's on fire right now. Mm. My city's on fire right now. In D.C., we are we are on fire. I've seen the um, the videos and the um, and the different pundits and whatnot show off the Million Mega March or you know part two or whatever it is. You know the election protesters. You know it's 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 violent down there. It's violent. I mean it's gonna it's and it's gonna be violent. Like you got the Proud Boys and you know they're you know they're running through the streets screaming fuck fuck Antifa and, and all this other shit and they're burning Black Lives Matter flags and, and and shit down. Yeah, there's gonna be violence. Like like you are coming down with the intent. I mean you are a far right group. First of all, so so you're a far right group and if you aren't far right, then you are. You feel okay with being radical and coming down to D.C. to protest something that the Supreme Court has ruled, has been justified, and it was legal, and this has all been legal the whole time. So you're, you know, you're coming down there, and you're standing with a person. At this point, you are, you are no longer standing with who you are and your morals and your values. You are now standing with a person who is okay with violent outbreaks like this he is not going to come out and say anything that's like we need to stop this you know he won't say a word which is which is the complicitness or the complicity or whatever that we talk about here on on this side whatever side you want to consider us you know if you want to consider that left or far left or whatever you make you you may consider me me and mary that, I, I haven't really adopted a specific label but i yeah. mean me either but you know you know, uh, you know, I'm big on radical change. I think radical change. If that makes me like a Green Party person, whatever. Like, if you're gonna throw a label onto, you know, if you're gonna label me as anything, I'm definitely probably I'm far left. But I also don't think violence is the answer. But you're down here. You're you're challenging. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm, this happens. This happens every election. But in most instances, the person who lost is willing to concede and isn't calling things fraud and if and if it's fraud once it's been solved that's pretty much it everything that has been considered fraud here in 2020 has instantly been dispelled you know if it's like oh they're turning voters away and voter suppression here's a video of it happening and then finding out oh it was a misunderstanding that a person actually got the vote or like james blaylock who voted who died in 2006 he didn't vote his wife who registered the vote was mrs james blaylock Many old people, right, sign right. their names that way. And again, a discrepancy that that's got you know that's gotten solved. You know, there was this video of a mailman who you know who was taking vote, you know, who was, who who were moving votes someplace else, and it's like that turned out to be a photographer moving like their gear. So it's like everything that you all want to talk about. Oh, the Dominion voting system is totally I feel so bad for Dominion because they were just kind of thrusted into a situation where they're, they're like, what about our voting systems? Even this doesn't even account for that Dominion had vote like voting, like voting um, systems in states that were safely red. 
So I guess you gotta recount those too. Right, huh? right. Let, let, let's recount those too. Just to get confirmation of things we already know. It's like you all are asking to throw out votes in battleground states saying that mail-in ballots are unconstitutional and and goes against the state. And looking at you, Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania has been the main thing that I've seen. That you need to throw out all the you know throw out all the mail-in votes for Pennsylvania because you know in their legislation it says they aren't supposed to accept ballots after election day or a week after or wh wh whatever the case may be. What wh whatever whatever the exact law is, and even so, all right, let's take twenty votes. Let's take 20 votes from Joe Biden, and let's give them to Donald Trump. You can have Pennsylvania. Take the 20 electoral votes. Right, hold hold on. Let's let's do some math. <laughs> right now it's 306 to to 232. You need 270 to win. 306 minus. That's still that's still a, Biden. A pretty still, clear win. That that's pretty. You know you know that isn't as substantial as this is, but. It's pretty substantial, you know. You know, it's a, it's, it's not, that's not even a close one, you know. That's a, that's a pretty big win. And then, you know, it's messed up because I feel like a lot of these people who are on the other side, who are trying to file these appeals and these lawsuits and whatnot, Trump tried to get people, certain states or whatnot, to vote on, um, oh, to have their, like their state legislation vote on the electoral college and not the normal process which is the the i think the electoral college is selected by the people who who that state votes for so meaning if if, if the state's mostly blue most of the people who are selected from the electoral college is blue you'd get red from the a lot of counties that went red you know so you'll have your red but for the most part like that's how your electoral college is decided um, he wanted to, he wanted to have state representatives, and why would he do that? Because they they mostly select red. That way, you'd have a huge amount. Uh, you you'd have a substantial amount of faithless electors from states that went blue, which is why we throw away the electoral college, which is why know. we get rid of the electoral it's college. It's way too complicated and just absurd. Well, 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 you realize that the electoral. I mean, how much how democratic is the electoral college? It is to a certain extent, but again, if in a democracy the people appoint elected officials, just just knowing that it is that it is legal for people, not even just one person, multiple people, to say, oh, even though my state, you know, my my state went blue or my state went red for that matter, I'm going to vote elsewhere because I can. How is that democracy? No, know, knowing that. If 20 people from any given state, from across multiple states, say, I, I will be a free to select it, I'm going to cast my vote for, you know, elsewhere. That's not, that's not democracy. That's not democracy. That, 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 could, that could change the tide of an entire election. That could change the tide of an entire election. Which is scary, you know what I mean? And we do talk a lot about the Electoral College being undemocratic, but I think... Really, the founders were at least forward-minded enough to say, hmm, like the groups of people that we don't want to have a say are probably going to get more rights in the future, but like, how can we put it in place to where they will never be equivalent to being, you know, a landowning white man? That's the Electoral College. They say, well, sure, even if slavery ends, even if, women were to get the right to vote 
you know, they, they see these things happening in the future, but they're like, how can we still hold as much power as possible? This is one of many mechanisms that we can use. It's not a flawed system, you all. It was created this way. It was created, it was literally created this way. That's a forward thinking being like, well, at some point, slaves will probably be freed. There are people here now who, who, who are abolitionists. Like, yeah, imagine like if John you, Lawrence. John Brown, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, but just, you know, right, that's very forward thinking, but also like, but it's still like, we're gonna have these, you know, you know we're still gonna make sure that the people who, who are going to be elected have to be selected. Like, what? Let's complicate the process so that it's not one person, one vote. Right, right. And it's terrible what the Republicans, you know, looking at the 17 states and the 106 who have all signed on, saying that these four states need to illegitimize and, you know, and uncertify their, you know, their election. Like, we're looking at you. You, are, you all are placing a big asterisk when it you know comes to America, not not even just democracy, America. Like okay, you get voting fraud, you get you get voting fraud theories and all that every election. You know what I mean? And this goes as far as back. I mean, you could go as far as back. I mean, you could say the 2000 election, but that had legitimate you know fraud. 2004 had some issues, but you go as far back as when Lincoln got elected. When 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 Lincoln was elected his first term, he had well, I think it was, it was his first term. He had 17 electoral votes that were deemed ineligible or you know you know un, you know un, un, uncertifiable in two states that he carried that they said no. One, I forgot which states they were, but at any rate they were. I think they they hadn't fully transitioned from the. Um, so when several states seceded, you know, and mm. and 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 you had the Confederate the Confederate States of America as they started to come into but there were states that have that had voted that were coming into it but hadn't fully transitioned over but but even then they were calling fraud then they were like let's suppress the votes you know i mean and that was what 1860 and there would have been such a limited voting class at that time right right you i, I think in that election something like not even like roughly 50 percent of eligible voters voted but I'm, I mean, I'm unsure, but I don't think any candidate that ran had like over a million votes. You know, maybe, maybe a couple million. But you look at 1860, you look at what states were there and then what states were a part of the Confederacy who weren't even voting at that time. Right, like, right. I mean, I mean, it's interesting. It's also very interesting to look at who owned the territories at the time. So like, side note, so like, so some of the states that were... Some or not, they weren't even states yet. They were territories. You know, they they were territories that hadn't been fully claimed. You know, like the Montana Territory or like oh, the Oklahoma yeah. Territory. Cause it was interesting. At one point, a state was owned split down the middle between like Oklahoma and Indiana. Oklahoma. So at one point, Oklahoma was actually split down the middle. And it was owned by, it was half Oklahoma and half Indiana. Oh. Indiana had, yeah, so Indiana had this part. Had like half, it was like Indiana on this side and Oklahoma on this side. Like these are just areas. These are just land. Right. I mean, obviously inhabited, but not by <clears throat> but, white people. <laughs> and and, it, and I, I think it was funny back then that they knew if if Lincoln won, 
the Civil War was, it was like, that was a foregone conclusion. Like, everyone knew if Lincoln won, like, they were like, war. Well, well, well that's because, was it Lincoln? Lincoln who wanted the, who wanted Western expansion. So even though we had California, he still wanted those territories we were just talking about. Right, and they're like, oh, well, Lincoln is going to add these territories, but they're going to be free territories, and, and the South just was not okay with that. And 1860 might have been a contingent election, too. I know 1825 had a contingent election. 1860 might have, might have been a contingent election. Can you help me out with what that means? So, like, George's runoff. Oh, where, okay. Where if nobody receives the the legal amount of votes necessary, it, it goes to the House and the Senate. So 1860 must not have been, because I, t- I was just telling earlier, he had 227 votes, uh, electoral votes. So I don't think it was contingent. I know 1825 was a contingent election, which, which was interesting because... So it's funny that when you look at some of the early elections, like the two-party system wasn't a thing. The two-party system wasn't a thing. You had, you know, you had your Democratic Republicans, you had your Federalists, but then you had Socialists, you had, well, I mean, not so, you know, but you had your Democratic Republicans, but within Democratic Republicans, you had your anti-Masonic, you had your Masonic, you had your Jacksonian, you had your anti-Jacksonians, you had your Federalists, like Federalists, more Democrat, you know, but the point being is that they had more of a variety and more variety of people who were taken seriously i wish the two-party system here was eliminated where it wasn't just democratic or republican where like joe jurgensen might have had more of a say or howie hawkins may have more bernie could have continued running as a democratic socialist right, or right. trump could have been running against i don't know Mitt Romney or, or something you know what I right, mean? it's right. like we definitely we do not have democrats and republicans we have like fascists, conservatives, democrats, and progressive socialists. If we were to just say four parties, not even to mention anywhere else that someone may lie on the plane of uh, political viewpoints. I, I'm guessing I'm guessing the issue that they were having with that is that you might have seen more contingency elections, but also I think we've only had like three in our entire like in our entire lives, like or like since the presidency became a thing and uh, I, I want to say there was, I want to say, I only know two off the top of my head, and even with two contingency elections in a group, you know, you know, y- y- you're looking at pre-19, like early 1900s, where it was a three, you know, a three or four party system, you know, you won't get that that many contingency elections, I don't think, if we went back to a, I mean, again, R- R- look at R- Ross Perot. Who right in the year two thousand under the Reform Party gets nineteen percent of the vote? Yeah. Hold on. Okay, you said around the early nineteen hundreds is kind of when we start shifting to a two-party system more so. Would you say that that coincides with when the Democrat and Republican parties kind of flip their general stances, or were those more separate it was, events? It was earlier. It was probably it, it was it was probably more mid to late 1800s that it became more of a two-party system and around the that's probably when that shift became because the republicans for a while for a good while pretty much ran the presidency right because like in the name itself it's like okay this is a, a big government party right we're like democrats in the name itself this is a 
more power to the people party. And I mean, I know states' rights and all that whole idea makes it complicated, which, quick tangent, as much as I do greatly dislike our representative in Ohio, he did not join the group he to didn't. Uh, cancel the vote. Cancel. You know what I mean. But well, I mean, his reasoning for it, though, is is because he's a big like states' rights guy. So I'm like, I'm not super with your reason, but at the same time, thank you for for once doing something decent. Right, right. Finally, but it is interesting. You you start to see that shift. The Republicans pretty much had the presidency for a good while, like the late 1800s, because because I'm looking at Teddy Roosevelt who won his first election under the Republican Party, and then the Republican, the Republican Party said, we don't want you. Right. You know what I mean? We don't want you to, you know, and he did not win, you know, he, he did not win the, the Republican primary, so he had to scramble to make his own party. Right, and then that didn't work. <laughs> and that didn't work, and that effectively, like, I guess, introduced the two-party system as, and it became a mainstay after that. Mm-hmm. And that's a... Uh, Again, I would like to see more of a variety of people being taken seriously. I would like to see more people, you know, participating in debates and whatnot. I mean, I just don't think there's enough education, especially since in most instances, being a Democrat or a Republican may be too close towards the the moderate side for people who who just don't have enough education. Because again, if you're deciding whether you are a Democrat or a Republican or what way you're going to vote, you can only vote for, all right, this person believes in this, they, they're going to do this, this person's going to believe in this, who's going to do, do that. But there's no mix of, you know, here's what this person, you know, this what this person saying, here's what this person believes, here's, here, here's this person's backing. It's, it's unfortunate that in order for someone to be third party to be co- considered serious, you've got to have a buttload of money. It also makes it incredibly difficult to make nuanced critiques right. of anybody who's running because and we, we saw this definitely with this past election of like, oh, you know, if you have anything bad to say about Joe Biden, then conservatives are going to run with that. And it's like, well, I want to be able to say that Joe has done some really awful things. Kamala's been awful too but that those critiques are not in a vacuum of pence and trump do awful things and have done awful things and we can hold all of them accountable or at least try to and that that should be what's more important than party loyalty uh, i wonder i wonder if the reason why they got rid of or the reason why we don't see an, uh, an increase in party system is that with too many different thinkers, like, you may run the risk of things not getting done, but things are being done regardless. You know what yeah, I mean? we're oh, still waiting on another you, stimulus check. You know, you know, you know, you know, stopping and thinking like, all right, well, if there's, you know, if there's not enough like-minded thinkers, then things may not get accomplished, but also a different variety increases your chance of coming up with something better too, because you, cause you've got different thinkers who want different things. But but again, you look at the compromise of 1877, like everyone's going to have to compromise, especially for the greater good of humanity. I am upset that our system, our world, our morals, our values are lied within personal assets, especially money, especially capitalism. You know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Is that everyone bases success, base, bases what what they want as far as leadership on 
their capital, how much money they have, how much land they own. And they're the ones who are saying, well, we don't want this because if we do this, it may, it may be for the betterment of other people and it may come at the cost of a little bit. And, and in most instances, it doesn't come at the cost of anything. We want reform. We want change that's going to be for the betterment of everybody. But we aren't getting any kind of betterment. Like, it just blows my mind that the wealth of some people is just, it would be impossible to spend in a lifetime, and they just refuse to distribute any of it beyond something that they can write off as a charity donation. People like to be defined by their wealth. You look at poor communities. You look at, you know, I can, you know, I, I can say the black community where our worth, even though, even if you don't have money, your worth is based on what? Your clothing. Are, are you wearing the, expens- the, the expensive brand labels? Do you have the newest pair of $350 Jordans? Are you wearing the freshest clothes? That, that determines your status in, 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 in the quote-unquote hierarchy that's, you know, a friend group. If you don't, you know, if you don't have as much, they look at you and they say, you poor and you're an outcast. Like, like we're defining ourselves in this capitalistic system. You're, you're defined by your wealth and not who you are as a human being. And that's, and, that's, and that's the unfortunate part. Our judgments are being passed without, you know, you look at somebody like myself who during the summer, you know, wore a wife beater, probably dirty shoes and and, and, and basketball, you know, and basketball shorts. Someone would look at me and say, oh, that's a poor, you know, I got all these tattoos on me. Oh, look at this poor black man walking up and down Oxford or whatnot, you know, and then they get in the car with their kid. They pull up to, to the middle school and get out and guess who's in there coaching their kid, me. And then they're like, oh, man. And then they say, oh, my kid's friend got an event. They pull up to another school. Guess who's running that event? Me. It's like, you know, you just pass judgment based on, like what I had on, when in actuality, like I'm the one who, who you know, who decides if your kid passed to the next grade or not. Like, yeah, you're kind of running Oxford right now. Uh, and and that's what people gotta realize is that we protest, we fight, we we take stands because we want the betterment for us, but for everybody else. If everyone's being loved and respected and cared then I guarantee we don't have a problem. If things like Casey Goodson wasn't happening, then we wouldn't have a problem. If the president was coming out and denouncing the far right who feel the need to protest and to burn things down, like, we would be okay with that. If the president would have conceded after, you know, the first week and not put everybody through this topsy-turvy, in-and-out, run-around kind of nonsense... And not even to mention, which I do think we should mention, not to cut you off, but an unprecedented execution in the middle of a presidential transition. Right in the middle. And there's three more scheduled for next month. Like, they did did he think that we just weren't going to pay attention? I mean, obviously they don't care what we think because the tweets and the calls and the petitions. Kim Kardashian called Brandon Bernard... Kim Kardashian was the one to do research into his case. She she called up Trump a while ago. Like, why is Kim Kardashian doing Kim, more for death row inmates than the president of the United States or and, anyone in Congress? And people and, and, and people give her a hard time. At least she did. At least she attempted to do something. Yeah, I mean they're me- they're messy, but like right. I, yeah, we That's, can applaud that. You, you, you got to give credit when credit's due. 
Right. That if that's her lane, you know, like I fully support that. And and you know what? We, we can all say what we want about her, her past, and all that. That is something that she chose to look into. That was a good cause. You can you can make fun of her all all you want. That's something that you can say. Okay, good. That's yeah, absolutely. That, and think about it. That's more than performative. That's tangible. Like that can be your legacy that, now. That's that's empirical. That's something that we can see. You put the time and effort. That's that's what we want as a as a nation, as as people who stand on on this side, the ones you know who believe Black Lives Matter. You know, you know, you know the ones trans lives matter. You know the ones who stand up for these things. You know the ones who stand up for disenfranchised human beings. Like like this is what we want. You know what I mean? We, right. Like like that's empirical. You know that's something that you say thanks, Kim. You know it didn't work out, but shit, look into another case. You know, this and that's exactly this what's happening. Right, this shouldn't be a one-time thing. Continue to look into these cases. Like, yeah. like, and then don't look back at it when a white serial company is like, I am Kim Kardashian, and I saved this black man from death row. It's like, no, that's step one. Let's continue to do this. Brian Stevenson. Uh-huh. Um, the Just Mercy guy. Uh, you know, he started doing a lot of that work before, too, and uh, his foundation is continuing right. um, that work as well, so... And so I know Kim Kardashian is not the first one to do something like this. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just I'm just putting another name out there that, that people some people know. might be familiar yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was something I wanted to mention for sure. Yeah. And then I have another update to another story that I will share, but I did I did kind of cut you off. It's, it, it was a good cutoff. That was, I mean, I thought that was a nice little segue, so go ahead. Okay, so it's a, a bit of a tone shift, but also does kind of complement that story in that it speaks to the totally different Americas that we're all living in. So uh, Dean and I have been following this story of a Staten Island pub that <laughs> is, um, has declared itself an autonomous zone in an attempt to just not follow COVID guidelines. So eventually the... The police department has gotten tired of them, them doing all that, and, like, tried to, I think it was either evacuate the bar or take further action, and the pub owner hit the sheriff with his car, but, like, is out free and has not faced any consequences, so you can... Hit the police with your car. But you can't. If you're a white person. But you can't walk inside the house with a subway sandwich, huh? And I will give credit to the No White Saviors Instagram page that specifically was putting the comparison between Casey Goodson, Brandon Bernard, and the Staten Island pub. These are different. I don't know how many times. We can't say enough times just how differently the justice system or injustice system works for different people. (laughs) But. It had been a little bit of a humorous story as we were following it before, but now we see that they really, there's no accountability. Well, it was humorous because how unscrupulous, like this man has some nerve to be like, I need to pay my bills. We are an autonomous zone. Like you and I are sitting back like, wow, that's super ridiculous. And it's wild how much these people will be on the cusp of like understanding what's necessary. We should all be getting, like, a cash payment from the government. But, like, that's the government that your president and your majority Congress are in charge of. Like, right, right. But you're, you're mad at some kind of nebulous, like, undefined government that exists out there. Like, these are real people that 
you elected probably who are saying no we can't give you a stimulus package like dean and i are paying bills too we would love some some stimulus like it's not just staten island pub owners who are looking for their bag like 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 we all need a bag bruh but like you and then they hit the sheriff and like to not face repercussions from it like yeah let me find let me find that post that has a little more information like that again unscrupulous bruh like that's hard, yo. Like, how you hit an officer and you get to walk away scot-free? Yep. Staten Island pub owner who rammed sheriff was freed without bail. What? The manager of Max Public House on Staten Island hit the deputy while fleeing from arrest after authorities confronted him. So, I guess that's acceptable, but what? being an accessory to a 20-year-old murder... Like, gets you ex- Like, why is the death penalty- He was fleeing arrest? A thing at all. I mean, they, they'd been breaking the law by keeping that bar open for a while. He was resisting arrest. He called it- And his lawyer's calling it self-defense. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at the video now. That's absurd. Oh my god. And he called that self-defense? It shows his client didn't know who was pursuing him. That's bullshit. But, you know, I'm pretty sure some kids who are driving a car, not even really in the direction of some cops. We literally have already forgotten about Sincere Pierce and Angela Crooms. Like, their story has already been lost in the media cycle. I mean, and that's, again, conspiracy theorist here. Of course we're going to be talking about Trump and the election. That is going to overshadow everything else. Because if that's what we're focused on, then who is going to dedicate airtime like to is, why are, these like, other stories? Like, why are people like this? It's sad to see that, that like, people believe all the justifications for it. Like, like, like at what point are you going to say, nah, this is unjustifiable? What Presty did or the bar owner and, and Staten Island, what he did, like, closed down. Like, now you're going to be in a deeper legal battle. Because if he doesn't get off with a slap on the wrist, so right, so right, so Tucker Carlson made a comment. Oh, Tucker Carlson made a comment when interviewing, when interviewing this man. Yeah, because he gets he a ma- platform. He, look, he deserves a platform look, for some reason. Look, Tucker Carlson told this man, oh, your white privilege doesn't pay your bills. I guarantee this, his white privilege is about to pay his bills because somehow he was going to, he's going to make it to seem like it was the police department's fault. He'll sue the police department. They'll settle out of court. He'll have all his bills paid. That's his stimulus check. Like, come on now. Yes, Tucker Carlson, this man will have his bills paid for. Like, you can wholly assault an officer and people, like, support you. And it's like, wait, like, you guys are probably the same folks who have, like, a back of the blue thing. But then you're going to figure out some kind of mental gymnastics to also be okay with, well, he was standing up for his rights. They'll find out something like, which, which one is it, huh? Now, now okay, now, now it's a Trump supporter versus the cops. Which one of y'all are going to win? It's an anti-masker versus the cops. Now, now they're, they're pitted against each other. I'm sure this man has probably fully supported and back the blue up. I mean, you should have seen them. Oh, we were very cordial. They were very nice to us. They're good people. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll just lick in the boots. And now and now the, these are the same people who are now, to, now now they're trying to shut your establish, establishment down. Oh, it does not feel good to be shut down, to, to have officers come and hold you back. 
And it was just them saying, hey, play by the rules. There's a pandemic going on. Hey, you're going to kill people. You're going to kill people. Like, you, yeah, talk about an accessory to murder. Like, that's you keeping your bar open. You are setting people up to die. Why don't you realize that? And now you're in a, now you are in a legal battle. You're, you're going to be in a legal battle. Whether, you know, whether this is cut and dry, like, yes, you may get your money, but now you got to, you got to hire a lawyer just because you couldn't, you couldn't stick to the guidelines because the government isn't willing to give us another stimulus check because people still aren't unemployed and things still aren't open. Like, come right. on. Like people would be more apt to just close down for a bit if they knew that they could get paid and their employees could get paid. Canada, I think they've been getting, what, two grand a month? For the last eight months or however long it's been at this point. And now it's, we have the emergency vaccine. Let's get it out to everybody so the virus can end. I mean, and even if the vaccine actually does make it widespread, it's going to be quite a while before we're truly quote-unquote back to normal. Like, I overheard some people at the grocery store, this woman with, you know, she was pulling her mask down to talk. And, you know, she's like, oh, I had it, and, like, my family had it. We went to a Super Shredder event, but, like, we're fine now. And I would I would get the vaccine instantly if it meant, like, we wouldn't have to wear masks. But even when the vaccine comes, we're going to be wearing masks still for a bit. Like, we're going to be sanit... We should be sanitizing things regularly, first off. Like, whoever's not been sanitizing their things regularly, <laughs> I'm a little concerned. But it's not going to be normal for a while, regardless. People need to accept that there's probably going to be some changes that will stay. Hopefully, like, remote work will at least be more of an option for more people now, but I, we, we won't be able to get, have large gatherings and all this until there's really, really control over the virus and, and a better understanding of it. And that will and, take time. And, and, the, and the vaccine will not be out before the surgeon... The surgeon holiday cases. And holiday cases that will be coming this week. This week will be the week where we see a surge in cases. Because what was what was a couple weeks ago? Thanksgiving. They still had the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Again, if we did if we did take them seriously a year ago, we'd be in a much better place. We'd Absolutely. be in a much better place. This actually was the episode I wanted to record. I actually wanted to record about 10 minutes of us going over the compromise of 1877 and then we was going to record, like, our year in review. Oh, no. This is just going to be a full second part to the other episode. Before we wrap up, let's talk a little, let's talk a little bit about COVID and the holidays. You know, cases, cases have been spiking everywhere. And people just choose not to take it seriously. I still see so many people refusing masks at the grocery store. And it's just so frustrating. It seems like private, like private industry owners, are taking it a bit seriously because, because like you see at the mall. That was amazing. Like I did not mind having to wait in a line if that meant like that the store was taking precautions very seriously. You know, everyone wears a mask. We'll offer you square to hand sanitizer. Only so many people in here at once, and you're gonna social distance and make your you know trip through the store fairly quick. I thought it was great. Yeah, and, 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 and with that being said, we are predicting a huge surge in a week and a half. I know people have big family gatherings, and you're like, you have got to be joking. I know you all see the reports. 
I don't know why Americans are not taking this seriously. Like, Americans are not, they, they're taking this with a grain of salt. And it's funny because people are like, there will be no mask after November 3rd. And yet, people are still wearing masks. Like, oh, come on, dude. You know it's not till the Electoral College actually votes that mm. COVID's going to be over. And it'll be revealed to be a, a uh, secret master plan. I, I mean, this has been going on for almost a year now. I know. And people are continually to take this with a grain of salt. And Trump having COVID did not make things any better as far as the seri the severity of it because they throw three million or they you know you know they spend as much money as they need to get him as cured as fast as possible. When he says I beat COVID, COVID's not a bad thing. You know you get over it and you live. And it's like so many people are dying, dude. Yeah. So many people are dying. Over a million worldwide have died. And how many how many more people? You shouldn't need need to be. Um, personally affected by COVID or any of these things, any of the social issues, you know, any, you know, any, anything that's going on today, um, going on today or in general, you should not have to be pers personally affected by it to take it seriously. Uh, you know, like racism or anything else. <laughs> LGBTQ plus, I, I will use that. I am not a representative of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus community. I consider myself a heterosexual male. But with that being said, like, like and and oh and, and I've never been affected because of my sexuality. I've never been impacted, but at the same time, I definitely understand how it feels. I know how it feels to be held back based on something. You know, my my skin color is what holds me back. You know what I mean? So it's like you know you don't need to be personally affected by it. But again, I know people who have, and I have a basic understanding of what it is to be held back. You don't need to be personally affected by it. You don't. You don't. You don't have to have a stake in a race to fill for, you know, a community. You know, to 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 hear a community out. And, and 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 if you do need to be personally affected by it, then what's wrong with your individualization? Seriously, what is wrong with your individualization? If you have to be um, personally affected by it to understand, COVID has killing people. Like it is killing people at a breakneck pace, and it won't. It will not get better. Do your part. Well, and even the people who aren't dying from COVID or even catching COVID at all, like, it affects so many people outside of that. Like, I do talk about, you know, my mom works at a nursing home. People who are in different medical professions are so overworked right now and, you know, having to make their PPE last for a long time. You know, it's hard on them and they're not even, many of them aren't getting the virus. Some of them, some of them are. And some, and some have to quarantine, and, like, it's just hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Obviously, it's way worse if you have the virus or a loved one has the virus. Stay But, like, it still touches all of us in some way. Stay safe out there, yeah. Seriously, stay stay safe. Do your part. Please do your part on all aspects of what, you know, what we've talked about today. Do your part. Educate yourself. Wear a mask. You know, do, you know, do, do things to ensure everyone's safety. I think with that being said, I think... We've discussed a lot. Yeah. We had a lot to talk about as as we wrap up. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, the times have been crazy. The million MAGA march, y'all, that was in that was in DC, man. And in other places. Like after the election, like what in the world? Like Trump supporters are down protesting the, the results. Like, no, you lost. And, you know, of course, that's going to re result in violence. I've seen violent videos and whatnot. I saw, you know, I saw the Million MAGA March people uh, were, were the ones who, you know, who were incited a lot of it. And, you know, obviously the media shows and portrays what it wants to show and portray. But 
You know, you all got a history of violence. You know, like, see Proud Boys for more information. See white supremacy for more information. Like, you know, you all have a history of, you know, of doing this and being super aggressive. And that sounds totally bad, you know. But also, like, you all have also, I've seen you all, I've seen you all say, you know, you know, we will, you know, we will be violent if we have to, you know. You know, you know, you all are fully prepared and are fully ready to incite violence. And then you have a situation where you've clearly lost, yet you're still protesting and rioting and this, that, and the third. What? <laughs> what? And and again, like coming from D.C., like if you came from elsewhere to, to protest in D.C., the Million Maga March, D.C. is not full of bitches. We, we are not bitches. Like, like if you come down there on that bullshit, you will be sent back with that bullshit. Like, also, yeah, can we talk about how like people who do protest sincere causes like Black Lives Matter were mostly doing so in areas where they were from, whereas the racist counter-protesters or Million Maga March people, you know, are traveling somewhere to cause trouble. See Kyle Rittenhouse for more information. <laughs> See, look at Kenosha, Wisconsin. Like, but, you, you know, and, 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 you know, they're coming from all over place, you know. By the way, that Rittenhouse case, my word. Um, oh, my gosh, and his sponsorship. Uh, like, he got, he, he $2 million bill posted, like. Yeah, don't buy my pillow, y'all. Uh, there's other pillows on the market. Uh, yeah, there's so many. Uh, I mean, come on, yeah. Come on, <laughs> you know, you know, Breonna T, you know, Breonna Taylor issue. I mean, people are just not seeing the yeah. signs. I mean, guys like Brock Turner and Kyle Rittenhouse, your white privilege card buys you a lot. That white privilege is what gets that $2 million bill posted by famous people, you know, with people with money, you know, bailed them out. I think Trump said he'd bail them out if he could or some shit like that. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, Whereas but- you have somebody who's in jail for, like, bombing cigarettes, um... Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, struggling to get bailed out, or people who were protesting completely legally having to get bailed out. Oh, also, also, it's interesting that you know, you know, these proud boys who are, you know, and people who are, you know, who are ready to start violence, you know, comes down there, and the police are back are blocking the the Black Lives Matter protesters, and the no matter what, if there were if there was a protest and two sides going on. Our side was always the one being detained and all and being held back by police while the other side could stand on the side and do whatever the fuck they want without, you know, ad nauseum. Again, see Kyle Rittenhouse for more details. He killed a person, went to the cops and said, I killed a person, and they kept it moving. Like, yeah, it, again, white privilege buys you that card. If a black person's walking around with a gun like that, oh, no. Like, that cop's going to mow that person down. By the way, I was going to get my hair done. Um, and I was traveling down 127 or something. Like, yeah, I was traveling down 127. By the way, I do have my license now. And uh, right, I was I was speeding, and um, like a, not a police van, but like like a work van from far back sped all the way up behind me, was honking and horn the whole time and whatnot. It wasn't like I could get over. You know what I mean? They were, you know, there were five cars in front of me. There was like, you know, or five cars in the other lane, like another car in front of me. I couldn't go any faster, like. And I realized I got to slap your local racist bumper sticker. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I mean, and you see him giving, you, giving me the middle finger, the honk and the horn, beep, beep. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is super aggressive. Like, you know, so, so I, you know, I slowed down. I'm like, nah, fuck this. Like, I, I'm going to slow down. You know, I mean, they're on my ass. Uh, eventually, I was like, all right, I can move over now. So, I, you know, I put my turn signal on to move, you know, to, you know, to get over. 
Like, if I had to slow down anymore, if, if if I was doing the speed limit, oh, I would have got hit off the road. I would have got hit off the road, like, for sure. And, I mean, they honked the horn at me. They're yelling as they drive by. And I'm like, it, it, what am I doing wrong? And I'm like, I realize, oh, slap your local races. They could probably look at my mirror and tell them I'm black. I mean, they are. Oh, but we're the sensitive ones. Right, right. We're the sensitive ones. We're the aggressive ones. Like, like someone just tried to mow me down because of my bumper sticker. Like, you know, super aggressive people that had the Trump 2020 in the back of their work van. Like, and you're like, okay. Like, the only people who get ups- who get offended over the slap your local racist bumper sticker are the people who need to be slapped. Are your local racists. Right, right. Are the ones who deserve a... Which so. you can buy that sticker and other uh, items with that design on it at America Hates Us. Yes, yes. They're not an official sponsor of ours, but we love them. Yep. And also, okay, clearly we that was a false ending that we had earlier because we didn't even get around to addressing some of the stuff that's going on with Miami. Oh, Lord. Like, it's mess. You know, with that being said, I just, you know, thank you all for listening. I hope you learned something. That's something, you know, you know, we, we me and Mary both love to educate. So, you know, I hope you took something from this. Um, I appreciate you all taking the time out to listen to this. Thank you to our current listeners and also the future listeners who have came up and told us that you've been listening to our podcast. And thank you to our uh, listener support from Maddie Crow. We see you. We appreciate you. Yeah, our first, you know, our first person who, uh, you know, who pledged uh, what four ninety nine a month. Like, shout out to you. Um, I know you're leaving Oxford soon. Um, we got to get you on the show. That you know, this is your invitation to be on the show for for next time. We'll be recording soon. And then just a quick update. Close, probably close to the uh, the end of the year. Me and Mary are going to do year in reviews where we sit down and we just talk about all the accomplishments and, you know, a lot of things that we could celebrate through a difficult time like uh, 2020 because there was a lot of um, negative that happened, but there's a lot of growth that was made, too, from the both of us. So, um, you know, expect that being in the next couple um, podcasts. But, yes, Maddie Crow, hit us up. With, you know, with that being said, thank you all again. I'm Dean, and on behalf of Mary, we shall um, see you on the next bus.